0: So, later on, after John was arrested, Jesus went to Galilee where he preached God's good news. The time promised by God has come at last. He announced the kingdom of God is near, repent of your sins and believe the good news. And that kind of leads us into uh, what we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks, uh, re-looking, I think. Uh, we, we've looked at this before, but it's so important. It's, it's uh, one of the most important themes in the Bible, and we need to look at this and, and get an understanding of it, especially as God's calling us again with fresh urgency to be Great Commission disciples, because it's a theme of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. Now, the the Zondervan pictorial encyclopedia of the Bible says this about the kingdom. We can probably say this together. It says, The word kingdom is found 55 times in Matthew, 20 times in Mark, 46 times in Luke, and 5 times in John. When allowance is made for the use of the word to refer to secular kingdoms and for parallel verses of the same sayings of Jesus... The phrase, the kingdom of God, and equivalent expressions like the kingdom uh, of heaven or his kingdom, occurs about 80 times. These statistics show the great importance of the concept in the teachings of Jesus. There can, therefore, be little doubt that the phrase, the kingdom of God, expresses the main theme of his teaching – This is such an important theme, but it has so much misunderstanding attached to it. If we misunderstand what the kingdom is and what it means, it doesn't just uh, impact our theology. It changes the way that we understand church, and it stunts our growth as Christians. It's that important. And because, as I say, this year God is calling us I think, with fresh intensity to be great commissioned disciples, to go and teach everything that he has taught us. What did Jesus teach? He taught the kingdom of God. He came proclaiming the kingdom of God. We've got to understand what it is to have any hope of proclaiming it. It's that important. We're going to take four weeks to look at four major aspects of the kingdom of God and the impact that the kingdom of God has on our lives. Before we do that, it's worth just mentioning that there are only two kingdoms. The Bible calls them the kingdom of God or the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. We are either in one or the other. Now, the reason I raise that is because right at the start of looking at the subject of the kingdom, we need to recognize that a lot of Christians have, brought, have bought into, and I've used this phrase before, and I think it's right, a lot of Christians are bought into the myth of the third kingdom. The myth of the third kingdom. The third kingdom is a mythical kid kingdom and that's not a good thing in this scenario. It's the kingdom of our own making. The kingdom where we, we make the rules and we believe that because God is loving and merciful, he turns a blind eye to all the stuff that is a bit dodgy but you know we don't we don't use the word sin in church anymore or repentance or what we do in this church I'll tell you (laughs) but um but in general in the Laodicean church shall I say this kingdom may be the kingdom where where truth is flexible where morality is situational where we are we are special and the rules that apply to other people don't apply to us, and so on, doesn't produce darkness like the kingdom of darkness does, and it doesn't produce great spiritual strides forward like the kingdom of God does. It just produces excuses. It is neither hot nor cold. Guess what God does with that which is neither hot nor cold? He spits it out. The myth of the third kingdom. Take a bit of this, a bit of that. It's the pick and mix kingdom. And it's rife in the church in general. The third kingdom is lukewarm. Here's the thing. It's a myth. If the kingdom of God is white, the kingdom of darkness is black, the mythical third kingdom is grey. But here's the thing. Grey is black. It's the new black. Only more so. See, Jesus Christ made it quite clear that he has less problem with people actually being in the kingdom of darkness than deluding themselves by believing that they inhabit some mythical third kingdom that's okay. He understands. He loves me. He loves me too much to say no to me. There are, in reality, only two kingdoms. And the focus, the purpose of the earthly ministry of Jesus was to proclaim the arrival of one of those kingdoms The time promised by God, the Bible says, has come at last. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. So why is the understanding of the kingdom of God so important? Well, the truth is our view of the kingdom of God absolutely dictates our walk as disciples of Christ and our approach to our mission here on earth. So for those who um, in practice live like they believe in the mythical third kingdom, Christian morals are a private, flexible affair to be picked up and put down at will. You know, you pick them up in a Bible study, you put them down the following day at work, those kind of things. Christianity becomes a lifestyle choice, a means of enhancing your life. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's the product of living in the third kingdom. And that comes out of not understanding the true nature of the kingdom of God. Here are three truths about the kingdom of God that defines our mission here on earth. And don't forget, we are called to the mission of being great commission disciples. Despite the fact that we love our church, not getting a lot of love out of that one, we love our church, thank you, despite that rousing, amen, the kingdom of God is not the church. Jesus Christ did not come to proclaim the church. He came to proclaim the coming of the kingdom. He announced that he would build his church, absolutely. Not as an end in itself, but as a means of proclaiming the kingdom. And the the church has always grown most healthily and been most effective when it has proclaimed the gospel of the kingdom now the book of acts is often uh, seen as being a book that charts the growth of the church and although that that is true it's a byproduct of a much more important theme which is the proclamation of the kingdom right at the start of the book of acts jesus appears to his disciples After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days. Well, what did he speak about? Church growth principles? Church management? Five-year mission statements? No. He spoke about the kingdom of God. He could have spoken about so many things. He could have just... This would have been useful... Spent the entire time, seeing as he was about to send them out, giving them instruction as to how to preach a killer sermon. How to alliterate every point. How to have a, like, you know, just here's a point, here's, a, here's an example, here's a, and do this and do that. He could have done all of these things. Actually, he talked about the kingdom. This is a recurring theme all the way through the book of Acts. And right at the end of the book, Luke records... That for two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. Boldly and without hindrance, he did what? He preached the kingdom of God and talked about the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, why is all this so important? Because in Christianity today, we think that church growth is inextricably linked to the beauty of the building the quality of the music, the range of activities for the children, the quality of the coffee, the quality of the biscuits. We've had these conversations in trustees, the meetings don't tell me we haven't. In the book of Acts, the church grew as a result of the preaching of the kingdom. Now, what is this kingdom that they preached? The Hebrew word for kingdom is Malku, Malku, or Malkut. The Malku of God is near. The word Malku is not about the kingdom as an entity, this 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 package here, but about the person who is ruling. The kingdom, therefore, and this is the point. I'm not ending, by the way, but this is the point. The kingdom is the king. The kingdom is the king. The kingdom of God is near, therefore, means the king is near. I'm up here. The weather's out there. The weather outside is frightful, I know. But in here, this is all about the kingdom. The king is imminent. He's near. His presence, his authority, his power is right here. Jesus came proclaiming that because he embodied that. When he said the kingdom of God is near, he's saying, hello, the king is here. Jesus pointed to himself and drew people to him, the early church pointed to Jesus and drew people into a relationship with him. And so the church grew. And today, and today, the church tries to attract people not so much to Jesus as to itself. And evangelism becomes inviting people to come to church as an end in itself and the the health of the church is assessed by well how many people are coming to it and what's the coffee like and have you economized on the biscuits because that is just beyond the pale but you know what this was never a consideration for the early church they never asked how are we going to get more people to come to our church They never asked that. The question then was, how are we going to get or let people know the good news of the kingdom? The church is not the kingdom. Now, why do we tend to preach the church rather than the kingdom? Oh, we've got a great church, wonderful, brilliant church, you'll love it. Oh, do come along. And they join the church and we think, hallelujah, this is great, another one. Another one for the Lord. No, it's another one for the church. Why do we preach the church rather than the kingdom? Because we can control the church. We have traditions and methods and things we prepared earlier. The church we can control so we know what we are inviting people into. The kingdom is beyond our control. The reign of King Jesus is not something we can control. We submit to his reign and that can be a scary thing because if you're watching Stingray, then anything can happen in the next half hour and that's exciting anything can happen in the next half hour, that's the one, but when you come to church and you think anything can happen in the next half hour, that's scary, the kingdom's beyond our control, because my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything that you can imagine, Now, we rightly love the church, but the kingdom of God is not the church. Here's the second truth about the kingdom that defines our mission here on earth. The kingdom is now and not yet. It's now and not yet. That is to say, Jesus' mission here on earth was to announce that the kingdom of God, the reign of God, has broken through into this world. However, the fullness of the kingdom, the Malku, the reign of the king, is not yet fully here. We see signs of what that's going to be like, but they're just signs. They're not the whole complete thing. Or, as that is put in the Bible, at present, we do not see everything in subjection to him. That's describing the not yet of the kingdom. But we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honour because of the suffering of death. That's the now of the kingdom. God's kingly reign has broken through into this world in the person of Jesus Christ. He came to announce the arrival of the kingdom but not the completion of the kingdom. That is still to come. And so now we see signs of the kingdom, promises of what is to come, a bit like movie trailers of what is to come, little flashes of what is to come, but not the completion, not the whole thing, not the fullness of the kingdom. The kingdom of light is invading the kingdom of darkness, taking territory from the kingdom of darkness and consequently is at war with the kingdom of darkness. And although the victory was won on the cross, the territory still has to be taken. This is like the the, the breaking of the seals of the scroll that we've been looking at for the past number of weeks, yeah? (laughs) Yeah, I was here, I know. (laughs) Although, the, so anyway, the kingdom of God advances one life at a time, as one life after another life is reclaimed, one back from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Now, Jesus spoke about this struggle when he said, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence and violent people have been raiding it. Now that's a verse that's given a lot of people problems. We're supposed to be as gentle as doves, so the idea of violence seems more like what you'd expect in other religions than Christianity. However, it's referring to the spiritual warfare that's currently going on as the kingdom of God invades enemy territory and we see terrible things let's be honest, being done to Christians like we see actually all over the world in Nigeria, in Syria, in Iraq, and so on, Iran, and and so on. The cost of the advancement of the kingdom is incredibly high. It's costly. And yet the kingdom continues to grow. You can count church growth in numerical terms, But kingdom growth is different. Kingdom growth is measured in terms of spiritual attributes, morality, wholeheartedness, discipleship, and so on. Church growth will not necessarily change society. Kingdom growth most certainly will. People may grow cynical about the church but never about the kingdom because the kingdom is where real change real redemption real growth happens and that's why as Jesus put it until John the Baptist the law of Moses and the messages of the prophets were your guides but now the good news of the kingdom of God is preached and everyone is eager to get in the kingdom of God is both now and not yet. We see evidence of the kingdom of God having been launched here on earth, but we also see evidence of it not being fully here yet. And so we pray, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May your kingdom fully come. Now, perhaps the most striking feature of the kingdom is that it's all about the king and our obedience to him. In fact, the kingdom of God is about wholehearted, life-transforming obedience. It's not about lifestyle enhancement. Honestly, it's great. I love it. I love it, having excellent music. It's just brilliant. And I love having... Well, light's shining in my eyes. Wouldn't be without it. And I love having PA when it works, and so on. But has that just dimmed? <laughs> Are the lights going out all over Kingfisher? Have a care for the rest of the world. <laughs> but but that has more to do with church growth Than kingdom growth. None of those things are wrong, don't get me wrong on that. It's just that they're more to do with church growth than kingdom growth. They're only ever vehicles to make it easier for people to hear and understand the good news of the kingdom. But if the church believes that it will only attract people and grow through having the best music in town or the best children's ministry or the nicest coffee or the best version of the biscuit tin that there could possibly be, then it's going to attract people for whom that is important and who will only stay for as long as that is important. And so you economise on the biscuits and they're off. (laughs) You laugh. The number one word to describe our response to the kingdom is obedience. Not satisfaction or comfort, but obedience. It is no accident that the time that the church grew like wildfire, overturning whole nations and even conquering the mighty Roman Empire, it was the kingdom that was preached. And those who became disciples of Christ saw themselves as being his slaves. Slaves of the king. Look at three examples. Jesus, brother James. James, a slave of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then there's Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles. Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, chosen by God to be an apostle and sent out to preach his good news. Or Jude, one of Jesus' brothers. This letter is from Jude, a slave of Jesus Christ. The presence of the kingdom of God can be detected by disciples of Christ seeking to serve him sacrificially and wholeheartedly, not demanding that they are noticed or honoured, but happy to see themselves as slaves of Jesus Christ, honoured to serve him, honoured to serve him. Now, the irony is that particularly in the Western church and particularly in the Laodicean church, which by now you'll all know all about, Christians often try to lower the bar in terms of commitment, thinking that the lower the commitment expectation, the more willing people will be to become Christians. Just make it a bit of... a Make it more about lifestyle enhancement. Just lower the bar in terms of expectation of uh, I mean just drop the whole notion of dying to self. that's really not playing well. And um, wholehearted commit people don't wholeheartedly commit to anything these days. just just lower the bar. It's awfully nice being a Christian. We do have lovely biscuits. Wouldn't you like to give your life to that? And the church in the West somehow, mysteriously, goes on shrinking. Who'd have thunk? But the church that turned the world upside down, that saw the gospel spread to the ends of the earth, that saw people come to Christ in their thousands and their hundreds of thousands, preached the good news of the kingdom, demanding that people deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow him. They preached the kingdom. They lived the kingdom. They recognized no third kingdom. And the church grew like wildfire. Lives were changed. Miracles happened. Society was not only impacted, it was transformed. They preached... The king is among us, and that changes everything. Let's pray, shall we? Jesus came proclaiming the kingdom of God is at hand. The king is among us. The king is at hand. And that's what we can proclaim gladly this evening. The king is among us. He's here. He's close at hand. The relationship that changes everything, the relationship with the king, is at hand close at hand. Lord Jesus, take our eyes off everything else other than fixing our eyes on the King. He's the author and the perfecter of our faith and he is here in our midst. The King is among us. His spirit is here. We welcome you, we worship you. We want to live lives that honor and proclaim you. We want to speak kingdom words and live like we believe it. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Welcome King Jesus. Amen.